Welcome, friends, to Merit's Musings, episode 18. This is a podcast for educators in the very broadest sense. I'm a public school teacher and a youth minister in my church and a parent, someone who's dedicated his life to helping people grow and to learn. I'm something of a writer and amateur poet, someone who loves language both for its artistry but also its power. In this podcast, I'm going to explore some of my informal thoughts on what it means to be human, especially in the context of being an educator, a minister, and a parent. I'll often orient my musings around a poem I love because any time I can spend talking about poetry is time well spent in my book. I might also talk a little bit about my dogs. If you're not the type of person who enjoys a little random dog talk, then this is probably not the right podcast for you. I invite you to join the conversation. Feel free to write me with your thoughts and feedback and any suggestions for poems or topics that you will be interested in hearing about. My contact information is on our website, meritsmusings.buzzsprout.com and on my Facebook page. And now this week's episode. For this week's episode, I'm returning to one of my favorite poets, Walt Whitman. And uh, this is his, I believe, his shortest poem, certainly the shortest poem, complete poem that I'm aware of. So here we go. When I Heard the Learned Astronomer by Walt Whitman. When I heard the learned astronomer, when the proofs, the figures were ranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them. When I, sitting, heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room. How soon unaccountable I became, tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself into the mystical moist night air, and from time to time looked up in perfect silence at the stars. Walt Whitman published this poem directly into a local newspaper um, and received critical acclaim and widespread appeal, uh, perhaps because it is the shortest of his poetry. And as you know, if you read Walt Whitman, uh, the glory and the pain of Walt Whitman is that he's so effusive. And when he gets in a mode, in a rhythm, he will just explode with language that just lists upon lists upon lists which are glorious in their amplitude, but also take a little bit of a commitment, especially in today's age of shorter attention spans. So here we have a very short poem, which I think is perfect because right now, we just finished up the school year here in Florida. So I'm, this is my first weekend of summer, when in summer break. And what a perfect time for a poem about the sort of pain of education and how education is stressful and wearying. And I will admit, uh, although I love my job and love my students, that this has been a long year <laughs> with the uh, pandemic and all of those extra sanitation procedures um, and my students being adolescents not always willing to accept this idea of personal limits for public good. And so there was a lot of tension and reminders um, 180 days into the year, uh, on the last day, I still had a couple of students who needed to go to the clinic and get a mask because in 180 days, they still had not learned uh, to bring a mask to class. Um, so it, there was just a lot. Um, and uh, I don't know how it worked out in sort of your community, but the first part of the pandemic that closed out fourth quarter last year was uh, sort of an educational loss 
um, if, if, if anything was sort of treading water. But they did not gain that fourth quarter set of skills uh, that they needed to make this year more successful. So there was a lot of remediation work that needed to be done. And the students just sort of lack stamina. So you put all of that together, and this last quarter has been a bit of a slog for everyone. Um, and I, I should throw in all of that testing, right? And that brings me back to this. Because as I think about it, uh, this poem, the uh, academic is totaling up the night sky, the mystical moist air, and all those perfect stars into columns and diagrams and measuring them. And that reminds me of testing, where we take complex human beings and we try to reduce them to a series of numbers that make sense. And of course, I um, have my master's degree. I understand the importance of uh, quantitative data. I understand that data-based decisions are necessary. But I also understand that the world cannot be fully reduced to numbers. Numbers are an incredibly powerful language. And I am enthralled with what we've accomplished with science and the language of numbers. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. The Again, just to go to this tiny year as a tiny random sample, the COVID vaccine and how quickly that rolled out and how incredibly effective it has been is a triumph. I would argue, a miracle of inspired science. Uh, and that I don't want to diminish at all. But I do want to point out, and I do firmly believe, that all languages have limits. Lickenstein said, the uh, limits of my language define the limits of my world. And while math is an incredibly powerful language, it is not the only language of reality. Uh, if we take this idea that math is a language, then there must be things that cannot be communicated well through math. And I would argue the complexity of a human being's mind is going to be beyond math. Math might give us measurements that are important, um, but they're also limiting. Um, and, and in this testing time period, I have to admit, as I am working my students and trying to get them to advance in all these different dimensions, but fundamentally, I'm supposed to make sure that these particular numbers you know, grow into these particular numbers. And that's wearisome. That's wearisome for my students to be told, this is your Lexile level and we need to get it here. Or this is your score on a standardized test and we need to get it here. And this is what you need to do. And this is what we're going to do together because the only important thing is that your number needs to be at a different place than your number is now. That's very hard for me to turn to a student and reduce all of our possible conversations down to here's a number, here's a number I want you to be at, and let's talk about how to get to there. That's incredibly important, and I do it, and I believe I do it well, but I think it's important that we recognize there's a host of other conversations that aren't occurring every time <laughs> we have those number-based conversations, right? Uh, opportunity costs. So back to our poem. We have this idea that you get unaccountable. How soon unaccountable I became tired and sick. And yes, I'm feeling that uh, in the last few weeks of school. Um, and maybe you're feeling it just as this whole pandemic is winding down, 
right? We've done amazing sacrifices, put on limits, trying to support each other, trying to create public health. And it's getting harder and harder, it seems, for the community to maintain it. We're getting unaccountably tired and sick. I get that. Sick not, hopefully physically, but sick of the process. Unfortunately, the process is not dependent upon our desires, but upon, back to science, <laughs> that science pieces, right? But then we contrast the lecture room to the mystical moist night air. And that's when the whole universe explodes out in its amplitude, right? And of course, he's uh, pointing out something I just was talking about, which is this idea that the universe is so much bigger than the science. The science is important, critical, valuable, but not uh, uh, the entirety. But I wanted to point out the word mystical um, because we are used to, in our society, being able to find answers. In fact, I think the problem right now with our society is that we have too many answers and a lack an ability to sort those answers out well, lack a common framework for deciding which answers are valuable. We have a glut of information and all sorts of qualities that we need to work through. But Whitman writes the mystical moist night air, and I keep thinking about the value of mystery, that the unknown matters. Um, and it matters not to be solved. It matters because it reminds us that there's always the possibility of surprise. There's always a possibility of change. There's always a recognition that we have limits and that working within those limits are when we are at our most beautiful. The, the value of a mystery, I think, is one that we have lost. Um, and I look to... Um, my Episcopalian brothers and sisters, whose theology is full of this discussion of the mystery of God um, that I think is very powerful and useful. Um, and one of the great gifts that that branch of Christianity brings to the Christian community and the Christian theology. Um, I, I encourage you to think about what are the mysteries that are unresolved for you and how are you wrestling with them? How are you accepting them? How are you incorporating them? Uh, for me, human beings are always a bit of a mystery. Uh, I uh, am married. I've been married for this year 20 years. Um, and my wife is still a mystery not to be solved, but to be experienced. There are still surprises. There's still new layers. There's always opportunities for growth. And I don't find that challenging I find that delightful. Uh, would not the world become so incredibly bland if we knew everything, if there were no more mysteries to experience? So this idea of leaving behind education and embracing the unknown, again, not to solve it, but to experience it as a mystery, as an unknown, I think is healing. Uh, and one of the things I would encourage us all to think about. So he says he wanders off by himself. And I, I have to admit, I think there might be a value here in wandering off with someone. So this is where I differ from Walt Whitman. I encourage you to go take someone with you into the mystery, right? Uh, Robert Frost's great poem, You Come Too, right? He's doing very basic things and he says in that poem, but you come along. Uh, go with someone. For me, 
if I'm not going to go off into the mysteries with my wife, my partner, my lover, uh, if she's got other things to do or is not interested in mysteries that moment, I'm taking a dog. Uh, Toulouse or Theo or Toulouse and Theo, although when I take them together, they tend to be a little busier than I'd like. But the idea is that uh, experiences of wonder are so much richer when they're shared, right? Isn't that the promise of social media? Let me share everything that is important to me. But I'm not certain those sharings are valid, but that's probably another day. But that's the why it's so attractive and so tempting, right? Let me shout out my reality to the world because I, I, I need people to see me for who I am. But then it gets mediated through technology. Go with someone important to you into a mystery. Go traveling. Go to church. Go read a poem that's confusing. Go look at a piece of art. Go stand in the middle of a garden. Go someplace that where language fails that is so much richer than you can communicate, that you can process, and share that experience with someone else, but share it in perfect silence, at least a portion of the time. I think our society has a dread fear of silence. Here I am filling up more silence with words. We always need sound, music, uh, but... Silence is powerful. It is a key component of every religious tradition to shut up and experience things without you contributing, but just to accept, to be the antenna that takes in. That, I think, is incredibly valuable. And I would encourage you to do that with someone you love, friend, partner, uh, if you're full of love for random people, then a stranger, uh, or just take your dog. And <laughs> go out someplace unusual, someplace overwhelming, someplace full of nature uh, or full of art, and silently experience it. And then listen to each other as you talk about it. But do the silent part first. So as... The school year is wrapped up, and some people it's wrapping up, and some people aren't in school, but the summer is upon us. I encourage you to take a moment and think a little bit about what Walt Whitman has to offer you and find a way to break out of your chain of learning and encounter something mystical in silence. But I think you should do it with somebody because then the experience is so much more richer. And if you don't have anyone else to take with you, Take God, although you really don't have a choice because he's always going to be with you anyway, especially in those times when you encounter mysteries. God bless you all. I'll talk to you soon.